Right. You guys been enjoying the study on Ephesians the last couple weeks? Good, good. Hopefully, uh, uh, we will. Uh, if you're re- if you're doing your um, devotional, restoring the family altar, uh, you'll realize through my preaching and teaching we're only on chapter two. So, uh, if you've had to do week one and two over and over again, maybe there's a reason why we're doing that. Um, how many believe that uh, um, repetition brings revelation? <laughs> so I want to encourage you to use the family altar devo- devotional with you, your kids. I know uh, Abe and Ari are doing it together through uh, the book. There's ways that you can do it, you know, you know do devotionals, but uh, I want to encourage you to use that devotional for what it's for, to get us deeper in the Word. Amen? And uh, so yeah, I've been enjoying it, but today we're going to go into chapter 2 of Ephesians, and I'm, I want to just remind us uh, briefly uh, when Paul, again, is writing this uh, epistle, when he's writing this to the church of, of, of Ephesus, again, his intention is not that it go just to the church in Ephesus, but it would get, it would get circulated throughout Asia Minor, which is a very large area. And if you read in uh, Revelations, uh, remember the seven churches in Revelations? Uh, there's, there's seven churches where he says, to the church, to the angel of the church at Ephesus and Thyatira and, and Philadelphia and all these churches that he addresses, all those seven churches are in this area where Ephesus is at. And so he's wanting this book, this uh, letter to be, to be circulated. He's in jail he has a revelation. The one thing that I really hope that we get out of this study is that Paul has had this major revelation while he's in jail, and he's now pinning it for all of us to enjoy and all of us to get a revelation of. And so it's, uh, we've been set up today, even that, that new song that we sang today about enjoying God, we're going to, I see the Lord's going to uh, capitalize on that today in the message. So hope you guys are enjoying it and and uh, tracking. I hope you're not just doing it on Sunday morning, I guess is what I'm saying. I hope and pray you're, you're doing this on your, on your own at home to enjoy the Lord. So Paul's in prison. You know, chapter one, just a brief synopsis. Paul starts with our identity in Christ. Remember all those things that we talked about. He says you're a saint. He says you're chosen. He says that you're holy and blameless. He says you've been given all these spiritual blessings. He says all these things about who we are in God and how we're holy, we're blameless. Anybody excited about that? How many feel holy and blameless, right? right? You don't always feel that way, right? But, but, but the Bible declares and Paul is telling the church you're holy and blameless because of what Christ has done. You've been adopted. You've received grace. And we go, went all over those amazing spiritual blessings that have been given in Christ. And you cannot separate chapter 1 from chapter 2. Chapter 1 is there for a purpose and a reason. I mean, as I'm studying this, I'm, I'm really getting a revelation. Wow, Paul is really systematically doing something, trying to bring a revelation to people. And so we need this. How many want more revelation? I really do. And even today, as I share this message, last night as I got home after doing the wedding, I did a funeral yesterday. It was a long day. And as I got home and everybody was gone except me and my father-in-law, he went to bed and I was just sitting in the easy chair and I was just laying there, or not laying there, sitting there. And I was kind of um, unwinding and I just began to pray over today's message and saying, God, what are you 
there, there's something, I could just tell the Lord was wanting to even change something in me. And so even today, this message has even changed from last night, even this morning when I got up. And uh, the Lord began to download some things in, in me that I want to, I really believe he wants to, um, how do I say it? He wants to totally rewire the way we think today. He wants to totally rewire the way we think and how we are, we are so accustomed to thinking in a Greek mindset rather than in a heavenly mindset. And, and, and so he really, I mean, if, if I could show you my notes, I, I, and I'll talk about it, I've got a line in my notes and said, don't even go there. Because again, the Lord was saying, that is not the way I think, okay? So I'm going to share where I would have typically taken this message, but over the last, over, overnight, overnight and over this morning as I've sought the Lord, he's doing a work in my heart, changing the way I think. And that's the beauty of the word. It changes the way you think. That's the whole goal of the word. It renews your mind. And so I'm hoping, no, I'm not hoping. I'm knowing that the Spirit of God is cooperating with us today, even by all the songs we've sang, that he's going to change the way we think. And a revelation is going to come. For those who are hungry and thirsty for more, you will receive a revelation in Jesus' name. I believe that. And if you're not hungry, I'm going to believe for osmosis that it happens, that something gets down inside of you, and that this truth will begin to bud and flourish and bring revelation to us. So chapter 1, again, was all these spiritual blessings. Now Paul moves into chapter 2. Chapter 1 tells all of us about our identity and what we have been given in Christ. Chapter 1 is completely connected to chapter 2. And realize, when the Bible's being read, when Paul was writing this letter, it wasn't chapter 1. It wasn't chapter 2. It wasn't chapter 3, 4, 5, and 6. That's not the way. That is only there for easy reading. So you know where you're going, okay? And so these, these chapters are connected, and God's power is now going to be talked about and manifested in, in chapter 1 at the very end, which we didn't study much. I didn't bring up a whole lot about the power of God and the resurrection of Christ, but now we're moving from God's power and his resurrection into chapter 2 and how that resurrection has now been given to you. Okay, And so we're going to talk about how the resurrection of Christ, which is next Sunday, we celebrate it. I think it's neat we're in the middle of this because we're going to continue our study even next week for Easter because it's so pertinent. But it's, it's, it's now we're moving, and Paul is moves from chapter 2, and he connects Christ's resurrection to our resurrection from the dead. Okay, so chapter one, he starts with who we are, our identity, our blessings, who we are, and all this good stuff. And now he's going to connect chapter two to his resurrection and how he has made us alive in Christ. And how you, and he talks about how you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. Okay, so that's where we're going to go today. And we're going to take a look at chapter one, uh, or chapter, yeah. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we're going to read this, and uh, I'm going to begin to kind of take it line by line, and we're going to talk about what God is doing here and what he's trying to bring to us as Paul speaks about this revelation. All right, you with me? And so in Ephesians 2, it says, and you, say me, have been made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, uh, 
How many realize we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers? That's basically what that's saying in the scripture. It says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. There is a prince, there is a demon, there are principalities that try to get you into being sons of disobedience. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it's quite alive and well. The prince and the power of this air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, the fulfilling of the desires of the flesh, and of the mind. Look how he's talking about your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your flesh. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So now we go, so Paul, he's moving from, this is who you are. These are the spiritual blessings. You've been adopted. You've been, you've, you've been marked by the Holy Ghost. You're sealed by him. You belong to God. And he declares who you are. And then he moves to this and he says, and you were made alive. But you used to be this. Right. Now I just want to ask you, did anybody use to be all this. Yeah. <laughs> anybody used to be that. So Paul starts with who you are, and he moves and he says, you were dead. Now here's where I know many of your minds are going, is, hey, buddy, I'm not too far from that now. When this is making a declaration that, hey, I was all this stuff, I think many in the body of Christ go, <laughs> I'm still carnal. I still have lust of the flesh. I still have these desires inside of me in my mind, and I still, hello? Does that go through anybody else's brain besides mine? Because the enemy comes to accuse us of who we used to be and, yes, who we are walking out to become. But I want to go somewhere with this because this is where I've got a line in my notes. i got a line right here. And I said, don't go there. Here's my thoughts before. In the devotional on, here's where I would have went. Oh, there it is. Monday, the question, the heart check. Do you live your life like you are spiritually alive in Christ or like you are still spiritually dead in sin? Good question. Matter of fact, I love that question. And so I was doing this self-reflection as I was going through the, 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 this and here's where we go, and here's where I believe God's wanting to transform our minds. We stay in the place where, yep, there's something wrong with me. We stay in this place where, yep, I'm messed up. You guys are really quiet. Yep, I'm still spiritually dead in sin. Now, I did a funeral yesterday, and when I was looking at Virginia, she was a family friend. She was 93 years old. And she was in that casket. The word dead there means dead. <laughs> in the Greek, it means dead. Corpse. And we are dead in our sins and trespasses. Amen. And until, in, in that chapter there, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, 
If you look in the King James Version, it says you are made alive. In the King James, it actually says you were quickened. Now, the word quicken is not in the original text, but they tried to make it readable for us to make us realize that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses until the Spirit of God quickened your heart. Until he did something in you. I was stuck in death. I was stuck in a place of not being able to get out of sin. Because I could not get out of sin in my own strength. But no, the very thing that was in me kept making me want to sin more. And he rescued me from that body of death. He resurrected me from that death when he quickened my heart. But we don't live that way. We live sometimes still in this place in our thinking that I am dead in my sins. When it actually, I have actually been resurrected to life. I'm actually a new man. I am a new man. I am a new Adam. I am new in his eyes And I've got to become new in my own eyes. I've got to get a revelation from here that that old man is not alive any longer. It is not who I am. Now, where I would have gone with this message, and it's in my notes so wonderfully crafted by Eric Haler instead of the Spirit of God, I would have said this. Though you are born again and have been made alive in Christ, you must choose which world you're going to live in. Sounds biblical. It is biblical. You are no longer dead in your sins. You are no longer a slave to disobedience, but you are alive in Christ. You have been resurrected from death into his glorious light because of his great love. But it's this thing where you must activate your will, your effort, You must now establish the power of your will to live according to the spirit and not the flesh. Live according to truth. And here's what I want to say is there is a level of truth to that, but something must come before that. And that's where I'm going to go today. Because if you think you think your effort will get you anything, that you will by some way in your effort become righteous, you are sadly wrong. It is not in Eric Taylor's strength to live a righteous life. There is nothing good in me but him. And I would have preached that. And I want to go today, and I want to take us to a place where I'm telling you what he has done for us is so amazing. (laughs) Man, it's amazing. 
May we get that revelation today. Because he made me alive. He did it. He made Eric alive. He made you alive. I remember some of your past. I remember some of you and what you were in before he came and rescued you. I remember being in a Nazarene church camp. I remember the Spirit of God in that open tent meeting. And I can remember the Spirit of God coming and convicting me. He came and he rescued me. He was coming to me. I was not going to him. But he pursued my heart. Ooh, and I'm so glad. Is anybody else glad? It was he who made me alive. And I was about over in this direction as the man made the altar call. And I knew something's wrong here. I need you. And I went to that altar, and I yielded my heart to God, having no clue whatsoever what I was doing. I was raised Presbyterian, and I had no clue. Man, I'm going to spit all over the end today. Hallelujah. I had no clue what God was doing as he was capturing my heart. He made me alive. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. So where I want to go today, I want to go to this next passage that really begins to map this out. But God, everybody say, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. We sang about it all morning. Even when we were dead in trespasses, even when I was, I've heard of people being stone drunk and getting set free by Jesus Christ. Because the Spirit of God came and began to knock on their hearts. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. (laughs) Oh, friends, you could take that passage right there and you could spend month after month saying, God, show me what you're trying to show me. But God, (laughs) but God, who's doing all the work here? Are you doing all the work in this passage? My righteousness is but filthy rags. I still have a temper every now and then, but buddy, it's being submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Because he's changing me. And I'm submitting to his change, and sometimes I resist. Does anybody else resist? Does anybody else resist his great love? (laughs) But God, who is rich in mercy. See, what I want to tell you today, church, this is the good news. He does the work. Now, I'm going to go to you guys that are saying, yeah, but there's something I have to do. Yes, I'm going to get there. You're going to see what I'm talking about. But my friends, he quickened you. He made you alive. He, does the one, he is the one that did it, not you. He seated you in heavenly places. You did not put yourself there. There is no man that comes to the Father lest the Spirit of God draweth him. 
You cannot draw. I, man, how many times have you heard people, well, when I get some things situated in my life, then I'll go to church and then I'll give my life to God. Hogwash. You cannot clean your life up. You cannot clean your life up. You ain't that good. Improper English, but you ain't. Can I have an amen on that? Here's what I want to say. Before you can do anything for Christ, you must first get a revelation. You must sit with Christ before you will ever walk with Christ. Now, what I mean by that, I'm going I'm to give you a quote here by Watchman Nee. He has a book, and he talks about sit, walk, stand. And here's what I'm saying is many times what we do as Christians is we try to walk the Christian life out before getting a revelation of what he has done for us, before we get a revelation and we just enjoy what God has done for us. God wants us to enjoy. He wants us to sit back and relax at first, and really not just at first, throughout our life. He wants us to enjoy him. He wants us to enjoy what he has done for us. He wants you to be excited that, wow, I was lost in sin and I have been set free. But here's what we do, is we try to clean our life up before we ever sit in his presence and realize I am in heavenly places. I'm already there. I'm already there. Say that with me. I'm already there. He has already made me alive. He resurrected me if I'm born again. Now, Holy Spirit, we need your help right now. We need your help, Holy Spirit, to bring truth and revelations from our head to our heart. Because self-effort never, ever, ever, ever got you anywhere. I have heard many, many people, and I'm starting to see it in my own life, <laughs> and I've had to repent of pride. I've had to repent of hard work and effort. And I'm not preaching or teaching some heresy that you will not require effort. My gosh, living the Christian life requires your will to be activated. Can I have an amen on that? It requires you to do something. But if you're doing before you get this, if you're doing because you're trying to get this, then you will toil in your effort year after year after year, and you'll never overcome sin. You'll never overcome junk in your life because you're trying to do it rather than sitting in heavenly places with him and receiving by faith that I've been saved by grace by faith, that I've received it and I'm already there. Does that make sense? So here is Watchman Nee's quote, and I'll try to explain it. It's called Sit, Sit Walk, Stand. Watchman Nee was a Chinaman, and he died a long time ago, okay? But he had some profound revelation that he brought to the body of Christ in many books. And this is what he says, okay? So bear with me. Most Christians make the mistake of trying to walk in order to be able to sit. 
Most Christians make the mistake of trying to walk in order to be able to sit. But that is the reversal of the true order. And that's what I'm trying to make the, the point today, is we, get, we have to get first things first. He's wanting us to get a revelation of sitting in him. I have been seated in heavenly places. He's done the work. He has made me alive. He has resurrected me. He came to me. He's making the changes in me. I am not changing myself. I am only cooperating with what he is doing. So in my life, years ago, when pornography was an issue and he began to knock on my heart, that wasn't the first issue that he started working on my heart. That was the one that there was one before that. And when he began knocking on me and chiseling me and working on me, I w it wasn't me changing me. It was him moving on me, convicting me, challenging me, uh, letting me get caught. The grace of God let me get caught. The grace of God let me get caught. The grace of God let me get caught. My sin got exposed because he loved me. So much, he wanted to pull that garbage out of my heart. He wanted me to come and get that, that stuff that I was comforting myself with. He wanted to pull it out. And he came to me. And so he may deal with you on this issue or that issue or this issue. Cooperate with him. Cooperate with him. If you're smoking something that you shouldn't be smoking, don't get it from me. Don't get condemned from me. If he's dealing with you, deal with it because he's dealing with you. He's purifying you. Amen. Cooperate with him. If it's not the smoking right now and it's this, what is he dealing with you on? He is so gracious. He did not require me to work on everything right away. It would have overwhelmed me, and I would have said, forget this stuff. <laughs> oh, back of the way, back to Watchman Nee. I'm going to reread it. Most Christians make the mistake of trying to walk in order to be able to sit. But there is a reversal of the true order. Our natural reasoning says this. If we do not walk or do something, how can we ever reach the goal? Our natural reasoning, well, if I don't come over here and pick the guitar up, how will I be able to worship the Lord? If I don't do something, what can we attain without effort? Is the thing that goes through our minds. How can we ever get anywhere if we do not move? But Christianity is a queer business. If at the outset we try to do anything, we get nothing. If we seek to attain something, we miss everything. For Christianity begins not with the big do, but with the big done. Christianity begins not with the big do. I must do something. It begins with it has been done. It has been complete. And I start from there. 
on what he has done. And when I get a revelation of sitting in that, sitting with him in heavenly places, that that is a done deal. It's a revelation that I have received. Then I can move to doing. But it's only out of sitting first. Sitting at his feet and realizing what he has done for me. Oh, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. But it goes contrary to our reasoning. We think we've got to do something for God to get him to love us. No, he already does. He's already chosen you. He's already set you apart. He's already made you a kingdom of priests. He's already made you a holy nation. He's already made you an adopted son and daughter of the living God. He's already made you those things. And you got to sit in that. you got to rest in that. And you, when the battle happens, and when you begin to battle inside your flesh, no, there is a war going on against those principalities of the sons of disobedience. And you say, oh, no, that is not me. I'm not going down that path. Oh, I'm going to sit in God's grace. I'm going to trust him. God, show me. I want to cooperate with you. That's why the Bible says he always gives you a way of escape from sin. He always does. There's a way of escape if you'll take it. But too many people pet it. Too many people are comforted by their sin. He's not done. Watchman Dean goes on. He says, for Christianity begins not with the big do, but with the big done. Thus, Ephesians opens with the statement that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And we, and we are invited. We are invited. Hear me. We are invited at the very beginning to sit down and enjoy what God has done for us. We are invited to sit down and enjoy what God has done for us. We sang about it this morning. Enjoy our God today, what he has done for us. Michael, do you remember what he's rescued you from? Crazy, wasn't it? Crazy, crazy. And whom you've been, a lot's been forgiven, you understand the mercy of God. So we sit down and enjoy what God has done for us. That is where we start. Not to set out to try and attain it for ourselves. God wants you to enjoy and take pleasure in what he has done for you. You are seated in heavenly places. You are there. It has been accomplished through him and his efforts and not your own. Sit in that revelation. Father, would you begin to download a revelation that we might set in that. Rest in what he has done Faith, rest in the faith that you have that what he has accomplished on the cross, it is finished. The word says that he will be faithful to finish the work he has begun in you. He is faithful. The river, so now an analogy that we had this morning of getting in the river and getting in over our heads and breathing in the water is to totally contrary to our natural ability, correct? 
And he's, he invited us to trust him. Would you trust his love for you? Would you trust in his ability that he has rescued you? Because we're working from an, a, a thing of trying to clean up our own lives rather than just submitting to God and trusting him to clean up our lives. I've worked hard, church, to clean my life up. Has anybody else? I mean, goodness gracious. I want one with Dr. Phil today. How's that working for you? I mean, really? I mean, think about that. That Alex is really bright enough to clean his own life up. I mean, look at him, right? I mean, look at me. I mean, really to think that Abraham could overcome the crazy thing that teenagers have to overcome in his own strength? I mean, the teenagers that are going through what they're going through in our culture today, it's crazy. It's totally different than when I was there. When I was in high school, I didn't even think about sex. Kissing was cool. I was naive. I mean, praise God that I didn't get involved in all that good stuff, or bad stuff, excuse me. <laughs> Shoot, it was not until I met this woman in my junior year in college that it's like, whoa, there's something else alive in me. <laughs> I got to kill that sucker. Ah, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You've all been there. And you find out there's a raging lion inside of you that you cannot control yourself, but you actually have to submit to the Lordship of Christ and trust that by grace you have been saved. That, wow, God, you're going to have to do something because this bonehead guy can't do it himself. Because when I do, I get burnt out. When I do it in my own effort, I get burnt out. I get depressed. I get frustrated. I get angry. When I try it in my own strength. And some of you are really angry people. And it's like, gosh, this walk with Christ is really a hard thing. Well, it's because we don't have a revelation of sitting before God and that he has, in his great love, done this for us already. God wants you to enjoy and take pleasure in what he has done for you. You are seated in heavenly places. I'm going to say it again. He has been a, it has been accomplished through him and his efforts, not your own. Sit in that revelation. Ask for it. Beg for it. Let me see that, God, so that I can sit there. Because as I sit in that, I will then begin able to walk out this walk of faith in Christ. I've gotten my notes big time down here. By grace through faith. By grace, through faith, he pursued me. Now let's go to the next scripture. Whoops. What did I do? What did I do? See that scripture? Everybody read it together. Ready? One, two, three, go. Come on. One, two, three, go. There we go. All right. So again, it's not by what we have done. So Ephesians 2 then goes and begins to clarify this even more. For by grace, everybody say unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it. You have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Woo! The gift has been given to me. I have received it. There is a gift for you at the post office, but you got to go get it. 
not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should now what? Walk. But see how he's talking about sitting in this first? And now we get the word walk. You got to sit before you walk. It's good revelation if you'll get it. If you chew on it. I've got to sit in that revelation. I've got to thank him for it. And I've got to enjoy God that, man, I've been redeemed. I'm trading my sorrows in. Take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. It's, a, it's, a, it's an accomplished thing. And now we're getting an opportunity to now walk it out after we've set in that revelation. It's good stuff. By grace have you been saved. So what is this workmanship? Look at that. I am, say I am God's workmanship. I am God's workmanship. I am not Eric's workmanship. I'm not Tom's workmanship. I'm not Karen's workmanship. I am God's workmanship. So what's that mean? Now, this is where you go to BibleHub.com. This is where you guys got guys to study. Remember, go to BibleHub.com. You pull up Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 10, and you pull up the word workmanship. And it gets you this Greek word called this. And this is what it means. A workmanship is a something, a thing that is being made to make a product. The art, skill, and labor executed to make a product. God is making a product out of you. God is making a product out of you. Amen. He is masterfully and skillfully shaping you, molding you, making you what he wants you to be. Yes. He is doing the work. Say, he is doing the work. I'm the workmanship. Remember that scripture It says, he's the potter and I am the clay. Mold me and make me. Yes. Yeah. As he shapes us, and sometimes he pushes really hard on my clay. <laughs> sometimes my clay gets pretty brittle. He has to add water to it. The water is spirit that we jumped in this morning. That begins to soften my heart. Begins to activate my spirit man. And I begin to say yes again. But he does it. He did the river this morning. It wasn't Mike that did the river. It wasn't Tom on that wonderful new instrument that he played. They were a part of cooperating with the Spirit of God that began to activate our spirit, man, to say yes this morning. I am the work of his hands. Say that. I am the work of his hands. He is making me. I am not making myself through effort. I am not making myself. The responsibility of making me is his, and I am yielding to his workmanship. Does that make any sense to anybody? I think some of us have been toiling and working really, really hard to get clean for a long time. And yes, there is an aspect of our will and what we put into it 
Absolutely yes. But it doesn't start there. It starts with first sitting in his feet, intimate with him, thanking him for what he's done, even when we fall short of his glory. And receiving that by faith again and saying, this is why it should affect our praise and worship. This is why worship should be crazy around here. Because we should be going, oh my gosh, I don't deserve to be here. <laughs> I don't deserve to raise my hands. Did you see what I did three weeks ago? <laughs> my hands are dirty. No, I've made your hands clean, Eric. I've made you white as snow. You are an accomplished work for my glory. You are my glory. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. How in the world can you be pleased with this? I don't know. I don't know how he does it. I don't know this amazing love yet. I'm only tapping into it. I'm only getting a revelation little by little of his gracious love. His tender mercies are new every morning. And I'm a delight to his heart. Amazing love. Oh, how can it be that you, my God, oh, what is it I do now, ghost? Amazing love that you would die for me. Amazing love. And somehow when we get born again, we go from receiving this salvation, receiving this redemption, and then we move quickly into works. It's like we go off the road and go, bloop, now I have to work hard. He's done his part, now i got to do my part. No. He does his part, and I cooperate with him. It's called following the river. It's called following the Spirit of God. Oh, yes, you're dealing with me on this? Okay, God, how are you going to do that? I want to show you a video clip. It's about 11 minutes long, but you will enjoy it. This is the process that God has us on. Enjoy this. Praise God, if you would stand with me. You are his masterpiece. He does the work. He's done the work. And he continues to do the work in us. And he's chiseling away the things in our life because he loves us so dearly. Would you close your eyes? Would you accept that you truly are a wonderful masterpiece of God? Just say, I am your masterpiece. And I love you. And I will submit to what you're doing in me. I surrender it all. I can't do it in my own strength. But I'm going to trust you that you will do it in me. It's by grace you have saved me. And you are making me into a beautiful painting for your glory. And I will yield to you 
I will yield. I will allow you to chisel me. Lord, what are you wanting to do? What are you saying to me? What do you want me to yield? And then tell him, yes. I will follow you. I will follow you. I will follow you, God. I say yes to you. The chips are all in. They're all in. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Holy Spirit, come. Move in our hearts, oh God. You have made us a workmanship. You are changing us. You are doing the work that only you can do. And today, God, we yield. We yield to your workmanship. We're a part of your family. We say, oh God, have your way in us. Have your way. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Did you feel that? Did you feel his grace and his ability moving in your heart? I say continue to submit and yield to the chiseling of the Lord. I want to make a few declarations before we leave, and then we'll close the service. If there's prayer needs, we'll have the altar team come up and pray. Because maybe you're dealing with a real strong area. Maybe you're needing some freedom, and you just can't seem to get through it. As the Spirit of God is with us here this morning, we want to cooperate with Him. Amen? Here's the declarations. Let's say it together. I am made alive with Christ. I am saved by His grace, His unmerited favor. I am raised up with Christ, and I am seated in heavenly places. I am God's workmanship. I'm equipped for good works. I am brought near to God through the blood of Jesus. Jesus himself is my peace. I am no longer a stranger or alien to God. I am a fellow citizen with God's people. I am a member of God's household. I am being joined with others to become a dwelling place for God. How many believe that? How many believe that? Amen. Yes. Those declarations are in this book. I'd encourage you to continue to do that. But allow the Spirit of God to begin to work on your heart. Sit with Him in heavenly places. Acknowledge what He has done. He's doing the work. It's not by your effort. And He will walk it out in you, in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great week. And if you need prayer, the altar team will be up here for prayer. Remember men stepping up tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. God bless you and have an amazing, amazing week, you workmanship.